0: Vodka. 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 Vodka O'Clock. Hey, everyone. It's Amber Love from com, and you are listening to Vodka O'Clock Podcast. What you are about to hear is a recording of a panel at the New York Comic Con Special Edition. It was called Reimagining the Female Hero. And on the panel were Jenny Frizen, Emanuela Lupacino, Marguerite Bennett, Gail Simone, and a little bit late to the panel was Amy Reeder, who had been off at another panel. So, this was fantastic because even though the Women in Comics panel is done at every single show and it's kind of getting a little redundant, a lot redundant, one should say, um, sometimes it's nice just to see when there are different panelists. usually it's you know it's sort of a given that gail simone is going to be on something because she does a lot of conventions every year but uh, it was really great to see the rest of these panelists that are, are people that i i never get to see um and learn about their work as well. So uh, it was cool. There was a lot of discussion about Red Sonja and Vampirella and Wonder Woman. So give it a listen. And if you couldn't make it out to the show, then uh, you will at least get to feel like you were there and, and part of something. Um, leave your feedback and comments. And you know, if you have any questions about uh, the conversation, by all means, let me know. I'll see if I can get you some answers or at least direct you to wherever you can.
1: Well, hello everyone, welcome. Full house, What for I'm very excited to be moderating this panel, Reimagining the Female Superhero. My name is Ben Saunders, I'm a professor at the University of Oregon. I was hired to teach um, Shakespeare and early modern poetry, and I got tenure, and I've been teaching comics ever since. <laughs> We are, um, uh, I'm just gonna, I hope that you're already familiar with the work of all of the wonderfully talented people on our panel. We have a fifth panelist who uh, is on another panel right now and I'm sure hurrying to be here. So um, when she enters, I'll announce it and you can all applaud her and make her feel um, loved and wanted. Um, But till she gets here, let's uh, start at the far end of the table with um, Gail Simone.
2: What's up, porches?
1: (laughs) One of the most well-known and highly regarded writers working in contemporary genre comics. Gail Simone's witty but often darkly-themed comics have shaped and expanded the modern market for well-imagined female superheroes. I think panels like this exist in part because of the work that Gail has done. Her many credits include Birds of Prey, Secret Six, Wonder Woman, Batgirl, and she's also recently revitalized one of the great warrior women of comics, Red Sonja. next to Gail, we have Marguerite Bennett, the star- <laughs> described by NewsRama last year as a rising star of the comic book industry. Marguerite has written Batman, Batgirl, Lobo, and has actually collaborated with another of our panelists um, uh, on a well received Lois Lane one shot. And she has uh, many. Made- <laughs> sitting next to Marguerite, we have um, Emma Lupecchino. Woo! <laughs> talented artist who worked on the Italian series L'Insomne, is that uh, the insomnia? Yeah. yeah. Um, before publishing in the United States with IDW, Marvel, DC, and Valiant, notable work includes a lengthy stint on X Factor. DC credits include Catwoman, World's Finest, and currently Supergirl. And finally, the fabulously talented Jenny. Is it Frisson or Frisson? The, the Frisson. <laughs> I just think Frisson would be. Uh, <laughs> 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 so Jenny Frisson. Um, <laughs> remarkable cover artist, a work has graced the covers of titles for Marvel, DC, Image, IDW, and many others.
2: Red Sonia. <laughs>
1: I guess we may have one of those in the slideshow. So, well, I, I'd like to begin um, just by asking you all what your own experiences were with comics and popular media when you were growing up in relationship to female protagonists and female heroes. Were there any female heroes that you were particularly drawn to um, in your own childhoods or teenage years before you ever imagined creating these characters yourselves? and that is open to any and all of you. <laughs>
3: okay. um, I have said this multiple times, so there's a chance everybody already knows this, but.
1: Oh, and uh, Jenny, I was told to remind everybody to speak right into the right mic. Right into the microphone. <laughs> Can you hear
3: me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm all nasally. Um, when I was a little kid, my parents got me a Wonder Woman um, like book that came with a tape. I think it was called Cheetah on the Prowl. Um, and I loved it, I was obsessed with it, and then I always thought Wonder Woman was really cool, even when I wasn't reading comics. There wasn't really, at least, I wasn't part of a comics community as a kid, so um, I really wasn't into them at all until I got into high school. And when I was in high school, I saw uh, Adam Hughes' first Wonder Woman cover, and my I just, my job. <laughs>
4: My favorite superheroes are from the 80s, and I uh, I've, I've know them uh, when I was a little girl, and I couldn't even read comic books because I was too too little. And they are Shira from the Monsters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the Incredible Heart. How
1: about that for time? Do you remember okay. the
4: uh, TV series from the 80s? Yes. They, yeah. And I think it, it was the best. <laughs> I mean, at that time, uh, there was nothing like that, <coughs> that you could watch at the television. And I was suddenly addicted to the character. Uh, but you know, The Masters of the Universe was something that grew up with me. Um, I spent my whole childhood uh, watching the, uh, the series. so uh Even before I start reading comic books, uh, these are my two favorite superheroes (laughs) ever.
2: Um, can you read that? Everyone
5: can <laughs> next nice glasses, Amy. Woo!
2: We just <laughs> wanted you to feel loved. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's totally okay. Um, I was becoming very frustrated with a lot of the material that was out there at the time when I was um, first learning to reading and then getting a little bit beyond that because it seemed to me that most of the female heroes and protagonists, if they had any kind of adventure at all, it was thrust upon them or it accidentally happened or you know, it was never something that they chose to go out and have their own adventure. They either fell down a rabbit hole, got taken up to Oz, something like that. And when I first saw, it was actually at a garage sale, we didn't have a comic book store in the town I was growing up. And, um, and I actually lived way outside of the town that didn't have a comic book store. And so it was at a garage sale and I saw the cover of a Justice League comic. And Wonder Woman was on the cover and I was like, oh, what is this? Is this some kind of princess that looks really strong? So um, we got the comic and um, I just couldn't believe it. I didn't understand how comic stories went. I didn't understand numbering. I understood nothing, but I did understand that this was a really strong female character that made her own decisions, that chose to leave her homeland and go out and have adventures, and that was it for me, it was a done deal. And um, also watching the, the syndicated Batman television show, when I was first starting to read, those were like some of my first words, bang, pow, those (laughs) kinds of things. And I loved it, I loved the adventure, I loved, you know, I lived on a tiny isolated farm where, you know, it was farm chores and a lot of rain and no television. And, except for the Batman show came on and this was like bright colors and, you know, colorful language and, and humor and I just really took to it. But I didn't really, I kind of more identified with Batman because he was the strong character in that show, and I always wanted to role play Batman, not because I wanted to be male, but because he's the one who had the adventures, and then as I watched, we got introduced to Batgirl, and that was where I first fell in love with Barbara Gordon, and then, you know, Catwoman, and, and those characters as well, but it made a huge difference to see this material, That things didn't accidentally or have to be thrust upon or, you know, these girls that were on these adventures were kind of considered not proper while the adventures were going on. So it really struck a huge chord for for me when I was young and impressionable.
1: Hi, Amy.
6: Hi. First of all, sorry I'm late. I had a panel just last
5: hour. So
1: (laughs) So, um, this is Amy Readin. Um, a, for those of you who don't know, a writer artist discovered through Tokyo Pop's rising stars of manga, which led to her uh, her own Fool's Gold, um, and then she has since illustrated DC's Madame Xanadu and Batwoman titles, and more recently has been collaborating with Brandon Montclair, uh, first on a book called Halloween Eve, and right now on Rocket Girl, which we love. <laughs> <laughs> So Amy, the, the question we, we we were asking is, uh, from childhood, were there any particular female heroes that you gravitated towards? We we already got to Shera hero, but, right. but you
6: know
5: you could s- say, say more about. Yeah, she- I was a big She-Ra fan for sure, um, and um, and also Jen. Okay. Yeah. It's almost like we were Yeah. <laughs>
6: was very into those things. I was mostly into things that had girl characters I would say when I was younger. Either that or they were animated. Like I can't, I couldn't watch Sesame Street or anything. It's like I would refuse unless it were drawn. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like I, it was a great time. Being a a kid in the 80s was a great time because there were a lot of empowered (coughs) female characters back then. And it's sad that there's humor now. (laughs) You know, it's really weird. Um, but no, it's good. She was, she
1: was awesome. I, yeah. I have missed Jem completely, but Shira is back. Shira is streaming on Netflix. Release was last year, and my daughter watched them watch. I think Jem's coming back too. Yeah. 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 So I just put up an issue of Ray Lou, which I know several of you mentioned as well. Anybody <laughs> care to speak to <laughs> it? Yeah.
6: Well, I, I didn't get into her when I was young. Um, I don't know when she reached the United States or anything, but um, I got, uh, like, I had a friend in in high school, at the end of high school, who was really into her, and so then I started watching, like, I would have to tape it because it started at 6 a.m., um, and then I'd watch it when I got home, and yeah, I got super-duper-duper duper hooked, and that that's, like, pure, unadulterated superhero, like, Sailor Moon, you know, I mean, like, there's no reason not to group her into superheroes. She's got a secret identity. She's in, like, a team. There's always a bad guy that they defeat. They have different moves, you know. I mean, like, it's totally a superhero story and um, totally, totally girly. And also, I think the fandom for Sailor Moon is almost half-half man-woman, you know, which I think is great. Like, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that hold hold Sailor Moon near and dear.
1: Well, uh, now now you bring that up. This so brings me nicely to a, a question for all of you. Um, so I teach these these classes um, on comics, and um, women consistently outnumber men in all of my classes. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, you know detective fiction or superhero stuff or Shakespeare. Girls just read more than boys. Um, and, but I'm, uh, what I've discovered is that. Um, uh, well, I mean, as I, you know, and this won't be a surprise to anybody who actually shows up at a panel like this. It turns out that um, girls like action adventure stories, like superhero stories, always have liked them. Um, and yet, um, but a lot of the female fans that I teach, uh, uh, they teach feel that they have to battle with publishers, with store owners and with, let us say, certain male-dominated enclaves of fandom um, <laughs> to, to, in order to be just taken seriously as members of the audience. So I, I was wondering if any of you ever had were given that message at any point that um, superhero <laughs> comics especially were, f- were not for girls, um, that they were supposed to be for boys, and how did you react to that if so? And I think that's the question. Yeah.
4: I would say... Uh, very easy thing, that we are women, not aliens. I mean, <laughs> we, we like rock music, uh, heavy metal, uh, we have feelings, we like flowers, but we like adventures as well. I mean,
1: Why is it so hard for, to persuade a lot of people who actually publish these things at that uh,
4: I have no idea. <laughs> I mean it is something that is mysterious to I me mean, at the moment because um, people think that girls can't like men-based um, <coughs> stories or adventure or everything. It's not girls. But in the end, it's matter of interest. I- I like uh, adventure movies, mm-hmm. books, uh, sci-fi TV series, and so I do with comic books and superheroes. I mean, it's, it's about stories. Mm-hmm.
1: Just that. Does the desire though, to push back against that influence mm-hmm. how you uh, you create work now? How any of you are, uh, you know? I mean, do you mm-hmm. are you thinking about this when when writing and drawing that there are. Um, that there are people who are going to accuse you of getting into territory that you don't belong in, or do you just shut it out? No,
4: I mean, they, they think that uh, superhero comic books are something uh, definitely for men, and women can't understand how to make them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's about um, to learn the story. I mean, the situations you draw. I just want to point out that you
1: guys mm-hmm. certainly know how to make them, so mm-hmm. <laughs> But it'd be kind of cool to have um, both an Amy and an Emma Supergirl together, so there they are.
2: Well, when I first started, because my name Gail could be male or female, most people in the industry assumed that I was a male. Just didn't even ask, just assumed it. So that's kind of what the state was at that point. And it was only when pictures were taken and I actually talked on the phone and met some people um, that they would even admit that that I, in fact, was a girl and I was writing superhero <laughs> stories. And um, so at that time, it was, that was only like, you know, 10, 12 maybe the most years ago. It wasn't all that long. And um, I was telling them at the time, we are going to have a 50% male-female audience. We are going to have more female creators. I'm going to prove to you that these um, female characters have more value to your company than just being... Someone that can be depowered, raped, chopped up, put in a refrigerator, and then the stories all become about the male heroes. So um, it's come a long way. We can have a panel with all these fabulous female talent who are doing their own things. We don't we don't have the same material. We don't write alike. We don't draw alike. Um, all this variety, and come in and have you guys attend the panel and support their work. It's just been absolutely incredible and the internet has completely leveled the playing field and made a huge difference because your voices can be heard now where they weren't really and and there were a lot of assumptions were made companies were run with a certain model in mind and and because people spoke up it's kind of been shattered
1: I'm going to applaud that (laughs) about this issue I'd love to,
3: to hear um, that. I, w- I don't want to badmouth any different companies or anything but um, I think that there is sort of a idea amongst some companies that they like they're they're not trying to make comics for boys <laughs> they're just making comics and there happens to be just a few people in charge and so a lot of the comics are very similar because the same person is deciding what's gonna happen um, and then when they hear then they're, you know, sort of pigeonholing themselves and that they should be making more comics for, for women Then they're trying to make comics for women and not trying to make comics for everybody. And I think that's what's really exciting about Image is there's so many people in charge. Like, no one person makes a decision. Everyone's creating their own story. And no one's trying to hit a marketing niche than somebody, that they've been missing before. They're just, they're like, oh, I have a really good story. I think people will really respond to this. So I'm just gonna tell this great story and that is really exciting, uh, just to have so many different, like, variety, to have so much variety, because it's not just one or two people, yeah, like, pulling all strings. Are,
2: there are some people that have in their head that um, to attract the female audience, they need to <laughs> it needs to be a romance comic. Like, or I'm yeah. nothing against romance, because are yeah. some very good romance <laughs> stuff. And the X-Men is a romance. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they think that it needs to be specifically targeted to a female romance audience, and, um, that's, there's more to the audience than that. And and I've even heard things said like, well, what are they complaining about? We have this co- this romance comic and we made it for them. Yeah, you don't make it for <laughs> them, it's for everybody. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wait, I don't, <laughs> know, I don't romance comics because I want to find them. <laughs> <laughs> Every X-Men
7: comic is a romance that's unions. <laughs> encouraged not to go by my name which is an old woman's name <laughs> and uh, there's no disguising Marguerite and so you know, maybe if <laughs> I went by my initials I like went by M.K. Bennett um, I actually started in prose, I graduated from Sarah Lawrence College um, with my MFA uh, last year and um, I got in because I would written two prose novels and um, I've been chipping them around to agents and that's actually something that I have heard several times in response was well, you know, female writers have a much harder time, especially with the kind of that you want to do, would you consider having a pen name, would you consider abbreviating your name? And for 30 seconds in a moment of weakness, I considered it. <laughs> and I decided the hell with that. <laughs> You're going to learn them.
1: <laughs> it's not the 19th century anymore, you know? Um... Well, uh, we also have an opportunity to uh, take questions from the audience. I'm sure there are people with lots of questions. Before we do, we did, I did ask some of you to, to tell me some of your favorite um, female heroes and characters that we could perhaps talk about a little bit. Um, and I, I wondered if, I, I found Lois Lane's first appearance. I cropped the panel. Um, there we go. This is the very first appearance of Lois Lane. I don't know if any of you can see it all the way back there. But she's being very cruel, um, it, 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 cruel and alluring. Um, I, and I just thought, you know, I, I love the fact that she, she's so. This is, you know, the economy of the character. That she's there in that first panel. There's so much of Lois that's already there. And then for decades they tried, they reduced it to something else. to, to, you know, someone whose whole entire agency goal and drive in life is to marry Superman. Um, And now she's sort of back from that. Um, So I was wondering if we could uh, talk a little bit about Lois and indeed any of your other favorite characters with something like a, with with a longer history in common. And Marguerite, I'm looking at you since oh you did gosh. just write Lois. <laughs> <laughs> um,
7: there's this wonderful comic that I came across, and the artist escapes me, uh, for which I hope they forgive me. Um, and it's a it's a sequential series, of, or that's what sequential means. Um, a series of <laughs> images of Lois falling from a high place. The yeah, yeah. flies down. Some of you may have seen it. I heard some murmurs. <laughs> Um, and she's in you know, her 40s um, reporter outfit, and she's got her pen down and he's like, oh, Lois, I'm gonna save you. And she's like, oh, I you know, set up this trap to catch this mad scientist and I'm gonna get the scoop on this story. And then it jumps down to the 60s and it shows her you know, in like, her, her um, 60s outfit and he swoops in and, he's, and she says, ha this proves that you're Superman and now you have to marry me. <laughs> and it jumps down um, to something else. I'm forgetting it. Please forgive me. Whoever drew this, and then he jumps down to Lois in the modern age, and he swoops down and says, "Lois, I'll save you." And she's like, "Later." <laughs> and she's like, "I'm too busy. I've got have got wars to cover." And so I just loved. Just it was perfect in this nutshell of her evolution, and it made me so happy. And I you know, it was in my head when I was working on the most recent one shot. Um, I mean, Lois is that great embodiment of the change and just the great arc that female characters have taken. Um, from beginning, you know, as, as the romantic interest and only that, or as comic relief, and into completely, fully formed, heroic, compassionate, singular heroines.
5: See we got up here. going back.
1: Maybe mm-hmm. we should talk about that, cool. Yes. <laughs> You tried being up here talking to Gail Simone, and she asked, "What you want to know about Batgirl?" <laughs> tell me you won't choke. <laughs> um, what makes her a great female hero? What's the what's she, what's the essence of? It? I mean, you've had to actually. This is a character you've had to write through an extraordinary life transformation, in terms of for a long. When you first wrote this character, for a long time she was in a wheelchair. Now she's not. Um, what's the essence of? Of, of that character going through those kinds of changes. How do you, when you think about Barbara, what do you think? Who do you think she is?
2: Well, for me, Barbara, you know, and this is up for change for any other writer's interpretation or, or what have you. But for me, she's always been about a character who is the most intelligent character in, <coughs> in the Batverse. She's hyper intelligent. She. Um, is very compassionate, so to me, for me, I look at her as the hope in Gotham, and I think Gotham needs that sometimes, because if there isn't any, then I want the hell out of there. Um, And also that no matter what her circumstances is, she knows she wants to help people. That's what she does, she wants to help them, she wants to make Gotham better, and she will figure out how to do that, whatever her circumstances are. And I think those are the things that need to, that are at the core of her character. And, um, it's, you know, she's Oracle. I, I think of her character kind of on a timeline where <coughs> as, or- as, ba- as the Bart Gordon Batgirl, she has the potential to become Oracle someday. She hasn't quite made it there. With Batgirl, she's dealing... She's a little bit younger, more naive. She's um, dealing with some things for the first time, but she's overcoming them, just as, as she did with Oracle. And so I feel that she is one of those um, characters at DC that should be someone who inspires people to do something, whether it's, you know, whatever their interest is, and whatever is stopping them from doing that, hopefully her character will inspire the reader to do that thing. And um, I just feel that's really important for her, and all the while, while she's kicking ass and and, and and fighting crime and all that, we need to keep that, because and that's what sets her tone a little different from the rest of the Batbook.
1: Anybody else want to share some love for Barbara? Or shall we move along? <laughs> I actually do have a question for 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 the artists on on the panel. Um I wasn't I it didn't occur to me um so this is I'm springing this one on you a little bit but um I had a student say something to me in the context of a to, of a of a different book about a female character that they were really enjoying the fact that um we're going I'm going to talk about sex here for a moment. So this is a character who was um Sexual, in the sense that she had a sexual identity and a sex life, but she was not sexualized; that she hadn't been represented in ways that were um, reducing her basically to an object of the male gaze, if I may (laughs) be so bold. Um, And so I was wondering for um, for those of you who who draw, um, and obviously you're drawing characters who are often who are physically stunning a lot of the time. Um, is this an issue for you when you think about um, how, you, how you draw these characters? I mean, you know, for example, you're drawing red Sonya covers. This is a character who wears a chainmail bikini. Um, I think I've got one here somewhere. Could, could you talk a little about this issue and how you think about
5: it? Um.
3: <laughs> it does not bother me. Uh, to me, the thing that makes her, I guess, sexualized by other people, is the way she presents presents herself. Not the costume she's wearing. It's not the clothes you're wearing. It's how you hold your body, how you feel about yourself. And so, camera angles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like, you know, um, she's strong and. And I, I gotta be honest. I didn't even know how much I loved Sonya until I started drawing her. At each one sort of evolved. I was just like, she's so strong and and mad sometimes, or you know, um, vulnerable sometimes, or s- sad or angry. I mean, angry and mad are the same thing. But she she's always strong in all of those <coughs> things. Uh, I probably wouldn't draw her, you know, um, with her legs like, spread and like you know sucking her thumb. Because, because that's not, to me, that's not her. And then maybe there are other characters who would, I probably still wouldn't draw them that way.
5: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, but, you know, but she's,
3: to me, it's, it's the strength that she has. And even the sexy ones, like I do Vampirella. Vampirella is, that's kind of what I love about her, is she's just sex. Like, she's just super sexy and horror. Um, but there's still a strength there. It's, it's not the same kind.
2: She's in control
3: of it. Right, exactly. Absolutely. And her costume makes even less sense. Like, just like, <laughs> <the> <laughs> of It's impossible. It's just not a real thing. But that's also, that's what's funny about comics
2: is you can make that work. Can I tell a funny story about Red Sonja covers? Because we have, um, how many people are, are have been reading Red Sonja, have seen some of the Red Sonja? Um, <laughs> So all the covers, Jenny does the main cover, and then any variant, and all the covers are done by female artists, and we were sitting at a convention, just kind of talking, quite a few, myself and quite a few of the female artists, and it was the best conversation ever. You guys are so sorry you missed this, (laughs) it was all about how to draw the boobs inside the J.B.L. bikini. And listening to these female artists talk about it was completely different than how some male artists talk about it. They're talking about the weight of the under boob and the shape, and if she's flipping up in the air, where would those really be? Not? <laughs> and I was just sitting there, this has to be the best conversation that has ever existed. <laughs> listening to these artists analyze how to properly draw Red Sonny's boobs in, these, in the female bikini. But it makes a difference. I'm so proud of all the covers on that book. They're just incredible. And no one wanted to draw, none of the female artists wanted to draw her not in the chainmail bikini, which totally cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, and Amy, please go uh, it. Awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 Boobs by Emma. <laughs> <laughs>
4: ask your question. Um, why everybody see, sees uh, how sexy are the girls in the comic books and nobody sees how sexy are the men in the comic books? I mean, seriously guys, do you think that Batman is not sexy for us? You're
1: threatening the audience in an entirely different way by raising this. And if you want more about that, you should come to my panel on Golden Age Comics tomorrow. I will give you more. <laughs> When I went to the uh,
4: DC offices and I faced this big batman, two meters high, Mm. man, it's sexy. (laughs) (laughs) It is naked and it's just colorful of gray color, gray paint with black underpants. the voice, the voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a maniac. <laughs> I mean, if you heard him speak at the phone, mm-hmm. it's a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it's uh, something based on sales to have very mm, sexy girl in comic books. Uh, but even because people read comic books, because they escape from what we are, from our reality. And everybody dreams to be hot, sexy, um, very confident. So um, the women are sexy, but men are the same in comic books. Uh, they, they haven't boobs, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, actually,
1: um, she <laughs> 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 wouldn't be sexy for us, <laughs> <laughs> trust me. Oh, okay, I won't say any more than that. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Amy?
6: Yeah, one thing that I kind of realized just the other day is the thing that bothers me, I, I think that like just about any character can be drawn a certain way and it just won't seem bad, mm-hmm. and it can be the same clothing, and they can even be doing the same thing. Um, I think, I think what really I care about when I see a female character and how they're done is whether they have personhood. And that's really what gets to me is when they don't seem like a person anymore, when it doesn't really matter um, at all, like that they are just an object. Like there's really a difference, right? Like I, I recently, uh, for this convention that I go to, like they've put on their cover page on Facebook this Weird image that seems like a weird photoshopped combination of drawings and cosplay um, gals, but like they all seem like they've been drawn over too, and every single one of them looks exactly the same, and they're all like kind of in like I guess foreign poses and like have the exact same size boobs. Even Power Girl had the same size boobs, and they were all fake. And it's like, um, yeah, it's like when that's everybody, and when they don't seem at all like they have a personality, or like like they're just soulless, like they just, somebody needs to, you know, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can almost see when there's some sort of personhood blown into somebody, and then, oh, they're human, they're not a drawing. I guess that's what it is, and so, like, when I did a Red Sonia cover, like, I wanted something on her face, like, I wanted her to be fierce, you know, and that was my way of doing that, or like, um, yeah, I think what it is is just, I, I just want to know that they're people. And that's one reason, like, I know that Guilla March does some ridiculous covers sometimes, but I've enjoyed a lot of his work because his women all look really different and they have a lot of personality. And to me, that's like way bigger than anything else is just
5: personality.
3: Those are some of my least favorite Red covers are the ones where she looks like she, that's when I say she's like sucking her thumb. Why would she be trying to look sexy? You would never try.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, what
0: it is. Deal with it. <laughs>
2: the, the best covers, the sexiest covers to me, all always tell some kind of a story. And um, without that story, and you know, with the corn pose, it it, it just it means nothing. I don't even understand what how you're trying to attract somebody to read a story without you know creating some sort of sexiness with you know something with behind. With the
1: narrative, it. yeah. Um, this is a great time, perhaps, to take questions from y'all. If anybody um, has a question, uh, yes, please. There's
7: the Brecht scale that, that people use with movies that you know has three or three women in it, and that they have to talk. The women have to talk to each other, and it has to be a talk, conversation
4: without anything to do with a man. But I think you guys kind of try and see
7: if your your story kind of pass that Brecht scale at all,
2: or no, not. Um, I don't go about it quite like that but when I first started writing Birds of Prey um, I don't know, what was that 10 years ago probably um, it was my goal to show that we could have a book that had three female superheroines in it who had their own missions, their own identities they were friends but they did missions together Uh, they didn't agree with each other always on the best way to go about it did it and it was kind of like a buddy cop comic which really didn't exist with women that much it was if you put three women in a room together at that time it was going to be a fight over a boyfriend or talking about you know hair dye or i don't know what but you know something like that so i set out to kind of prove that that was like my secret you know motive behind when we start when i started writing that book um and that's kind of how i approach it like with secret six which has a lot of that male eye candy in it <laughs> that we were talking about because I decided we're just going to have all of it, you know. And so whenever Cat could be without a shirt or pants or whatever, we did it. Best Nightwing's butt ever. Is the we are very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those, that's kind of how I approach it. I don't really sit down and go, oh, is it going to pass this test? It's more about what haven't we done before that needs to be done, I think, um, to make an interesting story and to get us out of the rut that sometimes mm-hmm. we can be in so that, I kind of do it more like that rather than sitting down and going oh does this have so much percentage of this in it and so much percentage of that well,
1: awesome. I think the real value of that test is, is you know it's not that it's yeah I mean, there are plenty of great great things that don't pass the test you know catch 22 doesn't pass that test but, but, but it's it's what the test lets you know is how many things fail it how spectacularly and embarrassingly! How many movies just completely don't do that? Well, and, and it shows
2: a certain laziness in terms of I'm Right. right. Far yeah. yeah,
1: I think from that point of view, it's been a really valuable thing for, for people to think about.
6: As devil's advocate, and I'd like to be proven wrong, so I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. The thing that I, the problem I see with the Bechdel test, especially with movies because they're very short, is that if there's a ma- if the main character is male, and they have to keep it. On, on task, then it's kind of difficult to have two different women not talking about the main character. So to me, like, like it would be, you'd be very hard pressed in Rocket Girl, for instance, um, to have two men not talking about the main female character. It just wouldn't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It would just kind of get off topic. But what do you guys think about that? Is, am I wrong? Because I'm not, I'm not as frequently writing, so I don't know.
2: For me, it's more about is it a trend or not? Is Everything trending that way. Yeah. You know, is, is everyone being lazy and creating the same situations and stories over and over. It's not to say that you can't have females hurt or you can't have females talking about the lead main characters it's just is everyone is that what it's about, every one of them. So it's more about trends to me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Maybe her maybe in uh
6: Bechtel's case she would see main characters being female and there still was never any discussion
7: between women that maybe that would be part of it. And I think there's a lot of dismissal of things that do pass that test. I mean, you look at, you know, if you had a buddy cop movie about men, then it's a buddy cop movie. If you have a buddy cop movie about women, it's a chick flick. If you have a coming-of-age story about a boy, it's a coming-of-age story. If it's about a girl, it's a chick flick. If it's about a father-son relationship, it's a father-son movie. If it's a mother and daughter, it's a chick flick. And I'm tired of it. (laughs) in my head when I'm writing. Um, it's not a guideline. I'm not checking boxes. But it is something that I'm aware of, maybe just because, I mean, I honestly don't remember when I first became aware of it. I've been fortunate that I that I grew up um, surrounded by strong women who always encouraged, you know, me to have um, these attitudes and to always, you know, be free to explore female-centric stories. Um, so I've been very lucky, and so it's, it would be hard for me, honestly, to root it out at this point.
1: Um, yes? So I question.
4: If there was one female character you could write and have control of, and there's pretty much no restrictions what you can do with them, who would you pick? And it's from any company—DC, Marvel, Image, whatever. Who
5: would you want to write?
1: The question was um, if the panelists could pick any character, own, a character owned by an, an IP, any female IP property, and they could do what they want with it. Well, who would they, who would they pick?
6: I'd i steal uh I'd steal Madam Zanadu for a spell.
5: Uh-huh. I have a lot of somebody asked me earlier today
2: what about Ripley from Aliens, and so now that's all I have in my head <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, great idea. Um probably Dixon. I love her and I miss her. <laughs>
1: I just don't <laughs> rate, so. But Well, are there characters that you is there a character you'd love to draw that you haven't had a chance to draw? Uh,
3: I mean, I've, I've never drawn Wonder Woman, but mm-hmm. I kind of don't know if I have anything to say. Maybe. Um, I actually ended up with the Red Sonja job because I was fishing around about Vampirella uh, which was like to be looking for Vampirella and ending up with Red Sonja and seeing, well not that they're so different, but that was
5: a
1: whole pleasant surprise. Um, but if you'd asked me
4: maybe six months ago, I probably would have said the umbrella. Because mm-hmm. I've known we've been doing the umbrella covers.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> a dream fulfilled? <for laughs> a dream fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs>
4: happy <I'll> ever be. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, I would like to, to draw a story with Storm versus mm-hmm. Storm. Mm-hmm. Storm versus Thor? Yeah. Ah. No, no, no. Who, no, who exactly. is the real Lord of the Lightning? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the true Lord of the Lightning? There's no question. No, uh... uh Storm
7: wins. <laughs> <laughs> this is super off-topic, so I'm sorry. Um, I, I go as Thor for Halloween pretty frequently. <laughs> and, well, we were in the city uh, last year, and I was in the, like, the full get-up helmet, hammer, everything, swaggering around. And um, this little kid with his mom came up from behind us and just saw the costume and not me, and then they walked past and went, <gasps> there's a lady in that door. (laughs) How are the mouths of babes? (laughs) Yes, please. Um, So, uh, do do any of you ever disagree with your editors about characterization of a character, and how do you deal with that? Um, Do you find ways around it, and how frustrating is it uh, to have an idea of, of who a character is and then have someone who you have to
4: starting from the thing that we don't have time to be disappointed on something with, because we rush all the time. Um, I felt sorry to put some corrections on uh, Supergirl costume because they wanted it uh, more covered on fair butts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we live in an age where that. We don't need to, to cover butts to, to make, um, how to say, a uh, sensor. Uh, so I would be happy to be more free drawing care costume or something, so, uh, sometimes they cover the cleavage, but actually the, the superhero costumes are like painted. They don't don't wear a costume. They are just painted with color. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's stupid to cover a cleavage, just coloring it. So I, I would be more uh, them more open minded on. Um, um, I've been pretty lucky with people um,
2: with edit- editorial listening to what I feel would be an interesting take on a female character. I think that. The most often, especially in the beginning, what would come up was um, the fear of making the female character look silly, or, you know, it was kind of this idea that you should be a little more strident, and sometimes when we get characters like Wonder Woman, and this is all just my opinion, not DC or any other creator's opinion, um, you can get a female character up on a pedestal so high that they're actually boring to read about, and, um, but... I think that na- you know I haven't had that that discussion for a very very long time. But I think at first it's a cool, but well, the girl, the women readers think this is too silly, and, and doesn't you know why why would they go on this date? Why why do they want to date? Well, once in a while, a female character is going to want to go on a date. It doesn't make them less strong, or they're going to cry. It doesn't make them less strong. That's the kind of stuff that's come up once in a while. Is is this going to make this character seem less strong? And, right. Okay. Well, there's lots of kinds of Let's explore them.
1: Um, Yes, at the back. Yes.
6: character that just didn't derive from something something like the original source like there might be something to that you know it's sort of like the wnba or something yeah. i don't know like like yeah maybe maybe it is better
7: if there's just i now i want more of that yeah. there's actually a powerpuff girls episode that introduced this concept to me. <laughs> tell mm-hmm. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Or uh, as far as like the representation of mm-hmm. like how they can treated, uh, it lately? I think overall it's getting better, but we need to do more. That's my answer.
5: Yeah,
6: if I, like, not that this is right for me to do, but I think it's a little strange that there's so many new stories coming out of Image, but so many few people of color in them. Like, because you can do that, you know. You <laughs> fucking <make> them, right? <laughs> I know that's like really wrong of me to say, but that has been getting to me. I wish that people would do that.
2: For me. <laughs> I'm all for if you're creating a new character, no matter what company it's for, please create something new we don't have already. Don't recreate stuff that we already have. Don't do thinly veiled. Wonder Woman or whatever, create something new, please. Where's the
1: uh, middle of it? Yeah. With the glasses, yes. Um, it was funny, earlier you got to book about how Rose Lane has changed. I don't know you
7: if you could speak to why you think that um, or if you think, maybe you disagree that um, DC superheroines come up so much more often than almost any other kind of character in comic books when this discussion is had.
2: Well, it might be because the the writers on the panel work for (laughs) DC (laughs) Comics. But, you know, DC has Wonder Woman and Lois Lane and they've been around the longest.
1: I actually have some thoughts about this, which maybe because I don't work for either Marvel or DC, I can say. And <laughs> look, I am the biggest Jack Kirby fan in the world. Um, I I adore his work. I teach his work. Um, uh, uh, you know, I think um, that he's one of the greatest imaginative and creative forces of the 20th century. Um, but Stan and Jack really didn't write women well. They just they really didn't, um, and uh, they were a lot stronger on the racial representation issue, frankly. If you are sort of ticking boxes and toting these things up, it always seems to me that DC have had something of a, you know, a large number of interesting female characters, at least potentially, although not often handled well, and that Marvel have um, really been better in terms of issues of racial representation. Uh, this changes with the X-Men, and we can get back and forth, and I don't want to get, you know, and before anyone mis- misunderstands what I'm saying, I love Jack Kirby. <laughs> I love Jack Kirby. But, they, but really, they, they, they found it easier to identify with scrolls than they did with women.
5: <laughs> <laughs> scrolls could be women.
1: They didn't think of that. <laughs> Oh, my God, what if all women are scrolls? (laughs) Okay, I'm shutting up now. Next question, please. Yes, you, sir.
2: I made that statement. I, what I'm talking about is um, there's a lot of things. We have a lot of female commentators, podcasters, reviewers, people who put up their art that are female, uh, females who will state their opinion loudly and publicly, and not just females, but males too. Um, but I think that also that rings true for any type of representation because people start talking about it. Why haven't, you know, there's, why haven't we had a Canadian superhero or a trans or you know whatever, and, and it gets the discussion going, but I think that in the beginning of when the internet was starting, I think that even just the companies realizing that there was a female audience out there helped bring it forward, but it definitely has made a huge difference, I think, throughout the entire industry to have these voices heard that were not heard before, ever.
1: I think we have time for maybe two more questions, so uh, Captain Marvel, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
2: know like this is a panel about superheroes, but
4: my um, great had mentioned um, the Batman and the series, and that was a big part of how I got into the panel books, and Catwoman, Poison Ivy, Harley, that, uh, villains, but um, Catwoman and Harley, most importantly, they usually got
6: wrapped up in kind of relationship drama, and usually when you see the supervillains, there's always that kind of thing going on with a lot of women. So um, I'm wondering, like, do you guys feel like
4: Dangerous than a male villain because um, the, the great part of superheroes are men, mm-hmm. so um, they, they maybe mm-hmm. would be not so bad with a, a woman rather than fight against a male villain. For example, uh, I read this story on Black White Batman drawn by the awesome. Uh, Heliums, in which there's button that at one point is uh, get mad at Catwoman, <laughs> but he wouldn't have that kind reaction against a male villain instead of Catwoman. So I think um, female villains have this power to. How, how do you say when uh, you feel? Uh, not totally uh, power, y- you can't use your whole power against, punches. yeah, yeah, no, oh, yeah, uh, you have to
1: pull your punches, okay, yeah,
4: because, um, it's a woman, it's a woman, so mm-hmm. you, you can't can hit her mm-hmm. because this is this respect between mm-hmm. a, a man and a woman, so mm-hmm. even if she's a villain. Uh, you can't hit her in the problem way.
1: Well, uh, so, sorry super- for my <laughs> English, it's No, no, you're right. I mean, superhero comics are about hitting. That is actually one of the things that they are about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's that's. I don't. That's not a joke. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the
2: Part of that is these female villains are sexy, right. and sexual. Now, when you have a, a female villain that's like the ventriloquist or Junior from Secret Six, who are Completely the opposite. I'm hoping <laughs> <laughs> of that then, you know you don't have to pull those punches. You can have you know them go against another villain with equal. Um, right, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't the other way around. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that has created the problem is that Catwoman is sexy and a potential love interest, and, and yeah, all he lets go the first so time they meet. It goes yeah, right back so to So the then point. You, you have that dynamic that mm-hmm. people have built in in their minds that. That,
1: but, it's but it's also I think I mean in those all those early Mars and Wonder Woman comics they would have there wouldn't there weren't a lot of Smackdown scenes. There was somehow an assumption that that, that that you wouldn't do that with the female character. In your own work, Gail, you know you actually showed we're not talking about villains so much now, but even showing the female hero taking physical punishment and and showing that she has been injured. Well, this is that something you've tracked later.
2: interesting because when asking of the artists. Um, we want this to look really brutal and such and such female character to look really like they've been through a fight and ugly and scarred. It's so difficult for the artist to do that because they're trained to make the female characters look beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we've got we're tearing down some of that as well um, as, as we go forward with these other types of stories. But yeah, you know, with Wonder Woman in my mind, she's like the strongest warrior on um, the planet and maybe the universe, so she's not going to pull punches, and yet if you want to defeat her, you better not pull yours.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that one note, we are at time. Uh, I'm sorry to didn't ask your question, but thank you all. <clears throat>